Masechet Nedarim, Daf Petet, we begin with the new Mishnah, uh, quotes a pasuk, V'neder almana ogrusha yakum aleha. This pasuk is talking about a woman who is widowed or divorced. Um, any vow that she takes is binding upon her because she has no husband, so the husband cannot annul it. Um, her husband died or they were divorced. And also we're going to learn that her father cannot annul it either, even if she is still a na'ada. In other words, the father married her off when she was 12, and then she married uh, fully, kiddushin and nisuin, and then divorced, even though even if she's still 12, and she goes back to live with her father in her father's house, uh, that's it. The father no longer has the right to annul her vow. Uh, so, okay, we're going to learn a bunch of things from this pasuk, uh, but this is interesting to have a Mishnah that starts off with a pasuk as if it's like a Midrash. Um, and so here's how it goes. Kesad. What would be a case? And now the Mishnah is not just going to give a simple case because that's obvious. And when it says Kesad, it's asking for actually a more complicated case as follows. A woman who is widowed or divorced. And she says, I am going to be a Nazir in 30 days. So normally, that's it. In 30 days, the 30th day comes, and then the vow would kick in, and she becomes a Nazirah. Even if she gets married in the meantime, before the 30 days, that husband, the new husband, cannot annul it. Uh, in other words, again, she was widowed or divorced once. Now, this could be true in other cases. If she's a bogeda, she's an adult. Right? The point is that the father is out of the picture, and uh, she is a bogeda, a single adult woman. Her vow sticks when she makes a vow, even if the, at the time she makes the vow, she says that it will only apply in 30 days, and she gets married in the meantime, uh, but her, her husband cannot annul the vow. So the lesson here is that we go by the time of the making of the vow, and at that time she was uh, single. Therefore, even though at the time of the application of the vow in the thir- on the 30th day, even though she's married then, the husband has no right to annul it. Okay, now next case. On the other hand, if she makes a vow and she is under the jurisdiction of her husband, she is married, then the husband can annul it. Okay, that we know. That's an easy case. But we want to apply it even to a more complicated case. Kesad. If a woman, while she's married, says, I am going to be a Nazira in 30 days. Not now, while she's married, but in 30 days. And turns out that she is widowed or divorced within that 30 days, and the husband had nullified it before he died or before they were divorced. It is nullified. So again, a married woman makes a vow today that I'm going to be a Nazira in 30 days. The husband hears about it on that day and says, I nullify it. It is nullified, even though it will not apply until afterwards when the husband is not around anymore. Nevertheless, it's nullified. So actually, it's the same principle on the Resha and the Sefa. The same principle is that we follow the, the, with her status at the time that she made the vow, not at the time that the vow applies. If she is single when she makes the vow, then the husband cannot annul it. If she is married when she makes the vow, then the husband can annul it.
All right, next case. Nadra bo bayom, venit karesha bo bayom, hechezira bo bayom, en o yachol If you have a woman, she is married in the beginning of the day. Whatever, she was married before. So in the morning, she is married, and she makes a vow when she is married, then in the morning. The husband does not annul it. In the meantime, they get divorced at, at uh, 10 a.m. They get remarried at 2 p.m. So now she is married to the same guy. Can he go and annul the vow that she made in the morning when they were first married? The answer is no. Why? Because they she became single in the meantime. And the pasuk that we are dealing with says, any woman who is divorced, her vows stand. That's it. Her vows stand. And uh, even though she made the vow beforehand, and the husband could have, uh, could have uh, nullified it beforehand, but he didn't, so she's divorced. That's it. Um, her, her vow stands. She's single. The husband uh, uh, who is now divorced cannot go and undo it. And even if they get remarried, still cannot undo it. And the general rule is, as long as she goes and is under her own jurisdiction, even for an hour, even for a minute, um, the husband can no longer annul it. This, ca- this case is slightly different from uh, a, a similar case that we saw earlier, if she's still a na'ara, um, that's a different story, right? If she never did, did nisu'in, only kiddushin, and uh, so she does, she, she makes a, she does, she does kiddushin, makes a vow, gets divorced, and then kiddushin again, in that case, it's different, right? Then the father and or the husband can annul something that she had before because she never went into her own jurisdiction um, in that case, uh, because she was only mikudeshet, not nesua. So that's a different case. Um, but if she was nesua and then divorced or widowed, that's it. Um, even a remarriage cannot go back and nullify it. All right, those are the cases of the Mishnah. And so now we're going to analyze further about this basic rule that we saw in the first two cases, that we follow her status at the time that she makes the vow. Let's see if everybody agrees to that. Tanya. This is a slight um, variation on our Mishnah, but actually it's going to be a very very significant difference. Um, so she had been married and she was widowed or divorced and while she's single she says I'm going to be a Nazir when I get married on the day I get married I'm going to be a Nazir it's a funny thing to say I don't know maybe she wants to look good while she's dating but then when she gets married she doesn't care if she lets her hair grow literally um, okay so when she gets married and then she gets married and now the husband wants to annul it at that point, after they're married. Can, can they do that? Yes, Bishmael says, yes, Rabbi Akiva says, Omer, lo yafed, he cannot. Well, you see that Rabbi Akiva would say, we follow the point at which she made the vow. When she made the vow, she was single, and the husband could not annul it then, and therefore, even, it only, even though it only applies, after she gets married, he cannot annul it. So Rabbi Akiva is following the same principle as we saw in our Mishnah. You follow her status at the time that she makes the vow. Whereas Rabbi Ishmael seems to be saying the opposite, that we follow her status when the vow comes into a, a, a fulfillment, when it applies. And she is married when it applies, and that's why he can fulfill it. Now we're interrupting 
uh, with a mnemonic device, if you want to remember the opinions here, uh, we see that the first opinion, Bishmel says Yafed, so Yud stands for Yafed, Lamed stands for Lo Yafed. That's the order of the opinions here. See, Yishmael says Yafed, Yibakima says Lo Yafed. So, well, this mnemonic only works if you remember the order of the sages. But assuming you do, then the order of their laws uh, fits. The next two laws are going to be in the opposite order of Lo Yafed and Yafed. Uh, even though the rabbis will stay in the same order. So always keeping the same order rabbis, Bishmael, Rabbi Akiva, and now their opinions are going to be switched. So this is a really good mnemonic. So here's the second case. A woman is married, and she makes a vow while she's married and says, I want to be a Nezira after I get divorced. Venit Karsha, and she gets divorced. Rabbi Ishmael Omer Lo Yafer. Rabbi Akiva Omer Yafer. Rabbi Ishmael says he cannot, the husband cannot, while they're married, certainly not after they're married, cannot undo this vow. Rabbi Akiva says he can undo this vow while they're married before they get divorced. So you see, Rabbi Akiva is consistent. We follow the status at the time of making the vow, since at the point she makes the vow, she is married, so the husband can nullify. He says, I don't like that vow. You're going to give me a nezira. After you get divorced, no good. Now, obviously, that will not affect their relationship, so it's not ben olbena, but it is a vow of affliction. To be a nazir, that's affliction. So he can he can annul it. Whereas Bishmael says Loyafed because Bishmael again follows the point the, her status at the time when the vow uh, comes into application, uh, which is after they're divorced. After divorced, he has no right to annul it, so he cannot annul it at all. All right, good. So we see they are consistent in these opposite cases. Now they're going to explain their each of their derivations. Amar Bishmael, Harehu Omer v'neder almana u'grusha, Ajie neder bishat almanut v'gerushin. Bishmael explains the pasuk that we're uh, that we're explaining this whole time since the Mishnah is a vow of a widow uh, or a divorcee shall be upheld against her. So what does that mean? Whenever the neder. Uh, is applies right when there is a neder um, at the time when she is divorced or, wid- or widowed. So you see that follows the application when it takes effect. All right. This is no, no. The other part of the pasuk says anything that she brings as a prohibition upon herself means when she says that she is going to make a prohibition. Right? means when she says the formula of the vow and thereby binds herself with that vow. Um, so as, so that only applies um, when the binding of the vow, the creation of the vow, her statement, is when she is divorced or, uh, or, or widowed or divorced. So you see that they say here the derivation for their principles, the Bekiva follows her status when she makes the vow, the Bishmael follows her status when the vow takes effect. All right, Amad of Chista. Man, now we're going to apply all this to our Mishnah. Matnitin Rabbi Akiva hi. Right? Obviously, our Mishnah must be follow the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Because we saw in both the first two cases in our Mishnah, uh, we followed the time of her creation of the vow. Right? If she said, I'm going to be a Nazir in 30 days, and she said that while she was single, uh, then the husband, and she gets married in the middle, the husband cannot annul it because we're following Rabbi Akiva. We follow the, her status when she made the vow, she was single. On the other hand, when they're married and she says, I'm going to be in the Zira in 30 days, and she gets divorced in between, 
um, then the husband can annul it because at the time she makes the vow, she is married. Good, so everybody's happy, um, except for to be Ishmael, because we would prefer if a Mishnah follows everyone and not be only to be Akiva, although we do know that our Mishnah generally follows the school of Rabbi Akiva, because uh, most of his students are, are quoted, very few of the students of Rabbi Ishmael. Uh, nevertheless, we would prefer if we could make it unanimous. So Abaye Ishmael, come to the rescue and says, Yes, in fact, even the Bishmael could have, could explain our Mishnah, Matnitin Talya Nafsha Talya Nafsha And there's a fundamental difference between the Mishnah and the Braita. In the Mishnah, she makes her vow dependent on the number of days. She says, in thirty days, no matter what happens in between. Therefore, there is a direct connection between the making of the vow and it's taking effect. It happens in 30 days, no matter what. And therefore, to be Ishmael, they may very well agree that in that case, we will follow the time that she makes the vow, um, because even though, yeah, the taking effect is the most important part, but the taking effect will happen automatically um, after 30 days. So therefore, um, when it happens automatically at a fixed time, then we'll follow the time of the, her making of the vow, um, and uh, and that is what the Mishnah says. Whereas the Braita, it depends on the marriage itself. Um, it could be a long time, it could be a short time. Because it's dependent on the marriage and it's variable, therefore the time that it takes effect, that is the main thing. And therefore we follow her status at that time. And let's explain a little more. Shalomu yome vela nitkarsha, shalomu yome vela mit naseba. It could be that the days will be completed and she will not have been divorced or this will be completed and she will not have been married that is in the case of the Mishnah uh, the, uh, the, the the 30 days is going to come automatically no matter what whether she gets married in the meantime whether she gets divorced in the meantime so because of that uh, close connection automatic connection between the pronouncement and the and the taking effect so that's the Mishnah the Bishmael would agree we follow the moment of her taking the uh, uh, making the vow but if it depends on her actually getting married so then the being married is an essential integral part of the vow taking effect therefore when she says I'm gonna be a Nezira when I get married so it only comes into effect when she gets married because she got married therefore the husband can annul the vow in that case um, okay uh, good so we are fitting it in I mean it doesn't uh, fit so well into the language of Rabbi Ishmael in his explanation for it here um, but the point is that there is a difference and so we could if we really needed to explain the Mishnah according to Rabbi Ishmael all right now Zehakilal the Mishnah ends with a general rule and uh, when the Mishnah says a general rule and it's a principle that we basically know already so we want to know what is this coming to include that maybe we didn't know already Okay. Now, before we get, we explain the Zakelal, then our Mishnah. First, we're going to bring another Zakelal that was in a previous chapter, Andaf Ayin Aleph. Uh, there, it also said a Zakelal about a Naara Meodasa, a betrothed Naara, 
um, where the 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 the, uh, the the general rule is that um, if she go gets her own jurisdiction, even for a moment, in other words, she gets married and then gets divorced and goes back to her father's house, the father no longer can nullify her vows. But if she never went through with Nisuin, and she was only Kiddushin, and she gets divorced or widowed and goes back to her father's house, then her father can nullify the vow. So, in that case, what is the Kilal coming to include? So, the Zeh Kilal regarding Narama Orasa, that's coming to include a case where um, the father is handing his daughter off to the husband. We do this today in our weddings, um, where the right the parents of the bride march her halfway down, and then the groom comes and they basically hand off their daughter to the groom, and then the parents leave. Right, so that is a ceremonial way of us doing that. In those days, uh, would be done also, but maybe they live in different cities, and so the groom could come pick her up. Right? Or the father could drop her off, or they can do it by messenger. And so this is um, uh, the first step of the Nisuin, an essential step of the Nisuin, is her physically leaving her father's house and entering the domain of the husband. Right? We think of uh, Nis uh, Nisuin, one of the definitions of Nisuin is that the groom is bringing her into his home, which might be symbolized as a chuppah or his actual home. Um, but it could be um, not a physical structure, but handing handing over to him or her or the groom's messengers. So and the father leaving. Okay, but now you have some in between cases where um, the father goes along with the messengers of the husband. They're in different cities and uh, or different parts of the city. The husband sends messengers to pick up pick her up. But the father doesn't want to part with his daughter so so fast, and he's going along. So now she's in both. She's in limbo because her father's there and the and the messengers of the groom, or or, or um, the messengers of the father are with the messengers of the husband. Uh, I guess the father tells his guys, you know, keep following her a, lot, a while, make sure that she's that she's being taken care of. Um, so in this case, uh, because she never left fully the jurisdiction of her father, because her father was there, or her father's messengers were there, um, the, and should she then uh, get divorced or die, uh, or he or the husband dies before uh, at that point, and she goes back to her father's house, the father continues to have jurisdiction to nullify her vows, because the Nisuin never happened. She never fully left her father's house. That's what it comes to include there. How about the Zeklal here in our Mishnah? Dekatani Gabe Ve'elu Nedarim. That's our case. Le'ituye Masar Ha'av L'Shluche Ha'Baal O Shemasru Shluche Ha'av L'Shluche Ha'Baal She'en Ha'Baal Mefer Be'Kodmin this comes to include where the father uh, handed the, his daughter off to the messengers of the husband, or the messengers of the father uh, handed her off to the messengers of the husband. And they fully, right, that's it. This is the opposite case where the, the transfer happened fully and they're not following along, the not the father and not the father's messengers. I said, here's the daughter, goodbye. And from that point on, the, um, uh, the husband cannot nullify previous vows, any vows that she made 
beforehand, now the husband can no longer um, can no longer nullify. At the time that they had that the, that if she was only in Adama or Asa and still in her father's house, Adama or Asa in her father's house, you need both the father and the husband. If they agree, then they can nullify vows that she makes. But once uh, the transfer happens, which is effectively a nisuin, then that's it. That whole law disappears and the father cannot nullify it and also the husband cannot nullify any previous vows. Any vows she makes from that point on, the husband can nullify, but not the previous ones. All right, so that's what the Zahaklal is coming to include. All right, now we get to the next Mishnah, which looks complicated, but actually is quite simple. Um, the Talmud Yerushalmi says um, about this that um, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, as the Bavli is also going to say also, but says that the, uh, Rabbi Yehuda taught this law in a complicated way in order to uh, uh, sharpen his students, even though it's actually saying something quite simple. Uh, the simple thing that it's saying is that there are three categories of women um, who uh, are who uh, who have uh, their own authority, uh, their own jurisdiction, and no longer under their father's jurisdiction? Um, so they're not talking about husbands now. Assuming that they're single, so their father can no longer um, uh, 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 can no longer nullify their vows. Who are they? Bogeret. Once a woman becomes. 12 and a half, more than 12 and a half, that's called an adult. An adult, even if she is single, living in her father's house, that's it, 12 and a half and more, uh, the father cannot nullify it. Also, yetoma, if her father died. Father died, then the father can't. That's it. She she's no longer under father's authority. And yetoma bechayav, a living a living orphan, an orphan while her father's alive. How could that be? Uh, it's a different definition of yetoma. It means that she was married. Kiddushin and Nisuin, and then divorced or became widowed. And so because she went through Nisuin and is now out of it, once she goes, once she becomes married, she's no longer under her father's jurisdiction. Even if she gets divorced and widowed and goes back to live with her father, her father can no longer undo those vows. So those are the three categories. And that's all this long Mishnah is saying. But this long Mishnah is going to separate each of these three categories into three subcategories themselves that are redundant. Um, but as listing all the possibilities, even though um, uh, even though you only need three. So as follows, Tesha Narot Nidrehen Kayamin, the following um, nine Narot, actually not all Narot, some of them are Bogrot, their vows are upheld and they cannot be nullified by their father. Bogeret Vehi Yetoma, a woman who is an adult and uh, she is an orphan. This uh, Yetoma here is referring to a woman whose father is alive, but she had been married and divorced. Um, so actually that by itself, uh, or the, and the next, the first two cases are all talking about a yetoma, meaning someone whose father is alive, but she was married and divorced. And in that case, it doesn't actually matter how old she is. Uh, so the first subcase is she is a bogeret, uh, adult, at the time that she makes the vow, or she was a na'ara at the time she made a vow, but then grew up and became a bogeret in the meantime. Or third case, na'ara, shelo bagra vehi yetoma, or she is a, uh, a na'ara, and she remains a na'ara, 
and she, when and she, when she made the vow. Um, but her she was had been already married and divorced. In all those cases, because cases because she was married, she left the jurisdiction of her father. So no matter what age, the father cannot undo the vow. Okay, next set of three cases. Bogeret umetaviha, nada bogeret umetaviha, nada shelobagra umetaviha. What they all have in common is that the father died. So if the father died again, it makes no difference how old she is, whether she made the vow when she was a bogeret, or when she made a vow when she was a nada, and then she became bogeret, or she made a vow now while she's a nada and she's still a nada because the father died. She is not uh, under his jurisdiction. Third a set of three cases, Nara Shemet Aviha Mishemet Aviha Bagra. Bogeret Vabiha Kayam. Nara Bogeret Vabiha Kayam. These all have in common that she is an adult. So uh, no matter what happens, if she is a na oh, she was a Nara and her father died, and after he died, she became a bogeret. That's it. By coming by becoming an adult, she is independent. If she became an, uh, an adult and her father is alive, he doesn't have to die. Or um, she made a vow while she was a naara, and then she became an adult. And she and even if her father is alive, that's it. Once she becomes an adult, even the pair past vows, the father cannot undo. Okay, so those are the three uh, categories that end up being nine. Rebiudak says, even if he uh, marries off his daughter when she is a minor and she uh, is, is widowed or divorced and she goes back to marry, uh, she goes back to live with her father and she's still at this point a na'ara. Um, her vows cannot be nullified, right? Even though at the point that she was married, she might have been a minor. And uh, now she's a nada, so she never became an adult. Um, it doesn't matter. She was out of her father's jurisdiction uh, and fully married, even for a moment. That's it. The father loses his control over her vows. All right, short Gemara on this. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav, Zod, Yivrei Rav Yehuda. Aval Chachamim Omrim, Shalosh Narot Nidrehen Kayamin. Bo Geret Vitoma, Vitoma Bechayah Av. Rav Yehuda Neim Rav says this, is, these are the words of Rav Yehuda. Even though Rav Yehuda is quoted in the middle, he's saying the whole Mishnah is all the opinion of Rav Yehuda. However, Chachamim say there aren't nine, there's only three uh, types of Na'arot uh, uh, whose vows are, uh, are, are sustained. And cannot be nullified by a by a father, a bogeret, a fa who became an adult, yetoma, her father died, or the other type that the father is alive, but she's called a yetoma in her father's lifetime because she already married and then divorced or was widowed afterwards, and she is also independent. So what you see here is that the Rabbi Yehuda is not, Chachamim are not arguing with Rabbi Yehuda, they actually agree, but Rabbi Yehuda is just formulating it in a different way, a more complicated way, and you find fascinatingly, Rushalmi says that's because he wanted to sharpen his students to see if they could make sure to right, uh, uh, combine in every possible way of all of the different factors and what the results would be. This is a very good um, logic exercise. Um, so you learn from here that sometimes, uh, well, first of all, how they taught their students, right? This was a, this would be a common way. The same way we do a lot of math exercises today to, you know, in different theoretical things to sharpen our kids. And this was done in Greek and Roman schools. And so the rabbi saw the value of that as well, except instead of doing it with um, uh, random logic things, uh, they did it with taught 
Torah categories. Um, but we also learn from here that sometimes even a formulation of a Mishnah may be formulated in such a way precisely to exercise the minds of the students, even if it's not the clearest, precisely because it's not the clearest way to teach the Halakha. But now we're glad that we can benefit from it and have our minds sharpened as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.